Welcome back, Ascenders, to the Ascended Thoughts Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Crane. So today I want to talk about allowing ourselves, yourself, to fully live in, own, and be present in your goddess energy, which is why the name of this episode is titled, Don't Forgive Me as a Goddess. And funny enough, I actually was inspired to do this episode through mishearing song lyrics. So there is a song called My Power with Beyonce, and I believe the name is Nyjah. But if you type in My Power and then Beyonce into Google, the song will come up. And I was listening to the song for the first time, and there's a section in the song where my ears heard, don't forgive me as a goddess. And this is not actually the lyrics of the song, but because that was what I heard, every time I would then hear the song after that, I would always sing it as Don't Forgive Me as a Goddess. And I always felt incredibly powered when I listened to it. Something about the energy of being a goddess and then the additional energy of I'm not sorry for what it is that I am or the energy that I'm, I embody, I found so inspiring and and so what I wanted to do was share that energy with you all and then also walk you through how you allow yourself to harness that energy. Because it's one thing to be unapologetically you, and it's another thing to do so while allowing yourself to claim goddess energy. So before we really kind of get into this, I want to to share with you something that I wrote down. Sometimes when I'm thinking about things that I want to talk to, talk about, I I meditate on the idea. I jot things down and sometimes channeled messages begin to start coming through. In this situation, that was one of those circumstances when channeled messages actually began to come through. And I want to read to you what I channeled because I wrote it down. So this is it. It goes, part of the healing journey requires that at some point you allow yourself to be unapologetically you. Eventually, you reintegrate with all of the parts of yourself that you once rejected or even hated. This is the first time these parts of you have received any love, which means you must defend and protect it until it is strong enough to stand on its own. When you are going through this journey of healing, but also your journey of evolution and your journey of ascension, one crucial thing begins to happen. And that's how you know you've actually started to hit or hit a milestone or sort of bust down or bust through this wall. And one of those things that start to happen is that you stop caring. There's a point where you hit where things that you used to care about or things that really mattered to you or made you feel self-conscious or insecure or uncomfortable stop being big things to you. Now, when I say you stop caring about things, I'm not talking about things that actually matter to you, right? So maybe your family, maybe your goals, your accomplishments, your achievements, things that you've set your heart on, those things are the same. I'm talking about trivial things, people's opinions, people's, people's judgments, the judgments that you've had against 
against yourself for however many years you've actually been carrying. And also the judgments, the criticisms, um, the ideologies that perhaps parents have put on you when you were younger, all of that, for whatever reason, starts to dissipate. And my working theory of why that is, is just simply a change in energy or a change, a change in frequency. When your frequency shifts, right, at that point, the only thing you have the ability to perceive are things that are existing at that frequency. Things that are existing at frequencies lower than the frequency you are currently at are no longer in your perception or in your in your in your reality. And so you don't really care about those things and those things don't catch your attention anymore because those are no longer as associated with the structure or the reality that your current uh frequency or vibration is creating for itself. So it stops it, it doesn't matter anymore, right? And so when that happens, you start to become apologetic internally, naturally, internally, you start to feel as if there's just things that you just don't care about, right? And in the beginning of this process, it's not going to be everything all at once, but you'll you'll start to notice little shifts here and there, where maybe somebody will say or do something, and then you'll think to yourself, hmm, that didn't trigger me like I know it would have triggered me in the past. It's little things that with time start to creep up on you, and then one day you turn around and you realize that you you are just this different person. But when it comes to being unapologetic, it's one thing to feel it internally, right? But it's another thing to then act on it. Because part of it is what you're feeling internally, who you are internally, but then other parts of that is practice, if I'm going to be honest. Other parts of that are practice. They are practice, the ability to then act on the fact that you are no longer caring and that you're no longer going to allow whatever these things to have power over you, what you do in the world or what you allow yourself to believe that you can actually then go and manifest. And when you are in this, this energy, when you're coming out of that one frequency and you're kind of stepping into the other and you're coming out of this place of being profoundly and deeply insecure and then you're starting to, to step into this place of self-assuredness you have to protect yourself when you're in that that middle space when you're in that gray space because it can go left really quick because it's not fully it's not fully developed if you're thinking of it as a muscle or muscle memory the muscle at that moment is not totally strong yet you're gaining muscle mass maybe you're starting to go to the gym right you're starting to get yourself a nice workout routine right but maybe for whatever reason you decide you want to get in shape in october and next thing you know you got thanksgiving around the corner you got christmas around the corner you got all these nice big family meals right everything that's super fattening and carb heavy and you have to be extra diligent when you're in that space so you don't then backtrack and lose all the progress that you had when you initially started working out. This part of the spiritual journey, when you're stepping into that place of just like not caring, is also muscle memory because being unapologetically you is a skill. It starts with that inner knowing, that inner feeling that exists inside the spirit that like, why do I care about this? And you know you're on that path because the way it starts is with you going, okay, this, whatever this is happening, be it something that somebody said, or maybe it's something like an actual event that's happening, you then identify that this should not be able to trigger me the way it does, right? You're like, this is, I mean, I understand what's happening. I understand what it was said, but it should not trigger me in the way that I'm allowing it to trigger me. And so then what happens, you start to do work on yourself. When you are confronted with that situation again, maybe you are triggered 
trigger, but you then you at that moment in your mind, you go, but you know what? I'm not going to allow myself to act on that. And so with time, it starts to trigger you a little, a little less over time because what's happening is you've made this conscious decision that you're not going to allow it to affect what's happening or affect what you're perceiving in your reality until one day it no longer matters. And then you turn around and you go, wow, I remember when I was younger, right? When that situation would have completely triggered me, would have completely thrown me off. I would have been so upset. But for whatever reason, now with the amount of growth that I've gone through, things like that no longer bother me anymore, right? But when you take that the next step further, you allow yourself to be unapologetic about the fact that it doesn't bother you anymore. And this is the thing that I think people have a little bit of a hard time, that unapologetic thing. I personally believe that at everyone's core, we are unapologetic. I believe at everyone's core, we're also probably really selfish. And the reason why I say that is because in this particular incarnation, we have a lot of ego, right? And we are very uh, intrinsically driven. We think about self. Our perspective on life is the, is the perspective from self. And so things like compassion and empathy and um, a lot of times part of that is natural, but part of that is 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 taught, right? Part of that is through conditioning. This idea that you should be thoughtful of your neighbor, considerate of people around you. But at the core of it all, if we really want to be honest about how we really be feeling, we'd be like, man, I don't think I really care all that much. I don't really care. I mean, I know I should, right? I know I should care about people, but I really just want to like mind my business and like do my own thing the way I want to do it, right? The only reason why things aren't done exactly how I want to do it is because I have to be considerate of other people. But if I could snap my fingers and have it the way I want to have it, for the majority of you all, it will not be in consideration of other people. This does not mean that you are an inconsiderate person. The, just the, the, the real, realistic nature of, of self is that all of our perspectives of, is of the self. And it actually requires a lot more work to then go and try to consider what our perspective should then look like if we are putting other people in a perspective of self, right? So it's not that there's something wrong with you or that you, you, you know, you're, you don't have any home training. It's just that everyone's perspective is from the perspective of self. And society has conditioned us that for whatever reason that this is really bad. Now, anything out of balance is not useful, right? But when it is in balance, if you allow yourself to be unapologetically you, right? When you allow yourself to be in the self unapologetically without making excuses for it, without feeling like you have to apologize for it, there is an amazing amount of things that you can do in this world and an amazing amount of things that you can manifest. And those things, those manifestations could be physical. It could be money. It could be a business. It could be a home. It could be a new job. But those things could also be emotional and they can also be spiritual. But regardless of however you choose to manifest it, it's always, always, always incredibly rewarding. But you have to allow yourself to be unapologetic about it. And then the goddess part of it is that power energy. The goddess part of you allowing yourself to be unapologetic is, is you allowing yourself to sit in its power of being unapologetic. That's where the goddess comes in. When we think about goddess, and it doesn't matter what your faith is, what your belief system is, if you sit back and you allow yourself to think about a goddess and what that means, right? It is... Uh, it's usually someone that's depicted as a woman, right? 
a feminine. It's usually some sort of divine feminine energy. And this feminine energy is a feminine that is making the decisions that they want to make, doing what it is that they want to do, and not necessarily consulting with somebody, apologizing to someone for what it is. It is someone, it's a feminine that is unapologetically seated and, and holding their power, not being um, apologetic for the power that they are holding, not trying to justify that their power that they're holding. It is a feminine who is comfortably within that power without caring about what another being thinks about it, wants to do about it, or has to say about it. It is a feminine power that's unapologetically sitting inside of that feminine power, making powerful decisions without a care as to what anybody has to say about it, right? When we really think about the archetype of the goddess, that's really at the core of what it is. Now, I want to tell you a story, right? You guys that follow me know that I did go to magic school. I used to go to the, the London College of Psychic Studies. For those of you who um, did not know that, there are institutions that are known as mystery schools. They are real deal institutions for learning. And you can find them primarily in older uh, civilizations that um, have sort of come to terms with this idea that maybe there is more to life, right? And you can find a decent amount of them scattered throughout um, places uh, in Europe that are old and, you know, Asia has its own sort of system for doing things like that. I don't believe they're called mystery schools, but any sort of old civilizations usually have some sort of place where people that are acquiring the mystical knowledge or the mystical arts can actually go off and train. In the UK, um, there's a couple of these institutions. One of these institutions are actually in London. I used to live in London, London for a number of years. And this institution is called the London College of Psychic Studies. And it's, it's an actual school, you know, they've been around for hundreds of years. Um, it's not in someone's basement. Like it's an actual, like, like building, you know, and with the grounds and class schedules and, the classes that you can learn there, anything involving the mystical arts, right? So you can go there and you can learn about mediumship and there's different mediumship levels and you have mediumship classes and you do readings. You can go and, and, and learn about trance and do trance work. You can learn how to read tarot cards, palmistry. You can do past life um, a regression. You can go and take magic classes where the classes actually require you to buy and carry and yield a wand. Um, anything that, that is traditionally considered some form of, of mystical teaching, you can learn at a mystery school. And for me personally, what I did when I went to mystery school, I, that's how I learned how to to properly read tarot. Um, I developed my skills and just uh, my psychic abilities learning how to harness your psychic abilities. I developed skills for, for mediumship and like learning how to sort of zero in on mediumship. And those classes were always really fun because it's, it's, you know, part of it. And by part of it, I mean, maybe 15% of the class is theory, but the rest of it is practice. And so when you go to like, like mystery school and let's say you're taking a mediumship class, 
the, the class is people giving people readings. And some teachers do platform readings where you as a person, you have to go by yourself. You have to sort of get up and sit in the middle of the room, close your eyes and start reading what's in the room, right? And then your whole class, all of your classmates will tell you whether or not you're right, whether or not you're wrong, right? These classes, these, these I mean, these schools are usually incredibly uh, spiritually charged. There was a joke at the school that I went to where the joke was that the, the school was crowded. Um, for example, all of the lights were on motion centers and lights would be turning on and off and nobody would be standing near it and stuff like that. And so, uh, but these type of, these type of places exist. One of the classes that I, I, I took, you work specifically with, um, known, uh, spirit guides, um, ascendant masters and you also did some work with some gods and goddesses and um there was one week where the work that we did was with the goddess isis and i love isis the egyptian goddess i there's just something about the goddess and the and what i perceive to be this particular energy to be an energy of 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 great feminine power that commands respect but also awe and inspiration and I was so excited about this day. We did this long guided meditation that essentially allowed us to go and meet the goddess Isis. When I did my meditation to go meet the goddess Isis, eventually when I like came to a place where my consciousness could receive the message, what ended up happening was that the room that I was in transformed into this all white room. It was all white and the room itself had no corners, but there were mirrors everywhere. The, now the feeling of the room was not threatening whatsoever. Um, it was actually um, inviting, but there was definitely a feeling of, of power that was in the room. And when, when it first started, I was in that room by myself, but there was a feeling of power. And I do remember feeling intimidated, not because I was intimidated by the being that was there, but because of the, the, the feelings that I personally hold when it comes to power, right? Now, when people think about power, it's usually a thing that people go, oh, it'd be so cool if I could have it. But for some reason, a lot of people internally feel that they could never touch it. And so because of that, there's this element to power where a lot of us are kind of intimidated by it. Even those that have managed to achieve power in their lifetime, at some points in time, have a tendency to be intimidated by the power that they're achieving or even by themselves, right? So that was how I felt when I was in this all-white room with no corners. And this this room started to materialize like a like a white spiral staircase in the middle of this room and the room also had mirrors but again it was still me and so I was curious and so I went to go walk around this the staircase I remember looking at it and then I remember um like getting to the foot of the stairs and then there she was there the goddess Isis was standing and I bowed immediately I bowed immediately and this was really interesting to me because I'm actually someone that is quite rebellious when it comes to power or authority um, if I feel like you didn't deserve it or for whatever reason you're not as smart as you're trying to lead on you know I don't particularly have any kind of respect for you and I've always been this ever since I was a little kid even when I would look at adults that supposedly were an authority figure even as a kid, I always sort of had this smug mentality of like, please, I could do your job better than you could do your job. 
And I, and I remember being like a teenager thinking that I could outdo adults. And, I, you know, it is what it is. But power for me was never um, something that I was in awe by or something that I admired. And so I ended up in situations in my life where I often was around fairly powerful people. And because it, I was just not phased by it. And because of that, it probably allowed me to easily enter certain circles because I, I never walked around with this complex that I shouldn't be in the circle. And um, I remember, you know, even when I hit college and I started doing my internships, the first person of any kind of power that I remember being around was, um, it was the governor. Uh, I used to live in Florida because uh, uh, I went to, I went to, I did my undergrad in Florida. And so when I was interning, it was the governor of Florida at that time. And regardless of what you think about politics, if you're left or you're right, that this has nothing to do with that. It was just the first time I remember being in a room with a man that people, for whatever reason, found powerful and, and they were in awe of this person. And this person had the ability to make a lot of things move and happen. And I was in the same room as this person. And um, and I was an intern, but I, I got to be there. But I remember... Because I never cowered when it came to that person, at one point they were looking for an intern specifically for the executive office, an intern to go behind those big fancy double doors. And they picked me. Now, part of that, I'm not gonna lie to you, I think had a little bit to do with diversity and my blackness, right? But I also wasn't intimidated by the man that was behind the doors and I went back there. And then after that, I ended up interning with the British American Chamber of Commerce. I probably shouldn't say all of this, but like, whatever, because it was many, many years ago. If I'm honest, I don't even think that thing is around anymore, right? But that put me in a place where there was like diplomats and I, I worked amongst all these diplomats and then that led to a different opportunity where I did an apprenticeship over there, and then I was over there, and then I would, and then I was in a room with ambassadors, working in different countries, and then I would sit next to ambassadors, and so, so whatever reason, my life took a turn where I'm always in room with powerful people, and I always know the highest person or the highest ranking person, and if, and if you look at my life today in my matrix job, and I'm rambling at this point, my life still looks like that. In my matrix job, right, I'm still connected to. The highest ranking people and and when it comes to like people that I work for I always for whatever reason including today work for the big dogs like I've always reported to the big dogs like if I have to think about like a supervisor my supervisor was always the HBIC the head bitch in charge right always and it was always, for some reason, I think it always flowed that way because I'm not someone that is intimidated by power ever. I've always, since I was young, have looked at power and thought to myself, how do I get that? And in my mind, the closer you are to power, the more you can learn and then the more you can have it for yourself. So anyway, that is a, a backstory because I feel like this is relevant for where it was that I initially wanted to go. When I saw the goddess Isis, I bowed. That was incredibly atypical and incredibly out of the ordinary for me because I don't bow. I don't bow. I don't lower my head. And, you know, honestly, if you're trying to get around me to go to the bathroom, you're lucky if I step to the side because I've always had this smug mentality of why should I? Why should I have to do it? Why don't you do it? I've always had that mentality. But for whatever reason with her, I bowed. And it was this immense amount of power that I sensed that it wasn't even that she told me to bow. The power was just so intense that my body caved over into a bow, right? And so she said to me, her response was not hello. It was hold your head up. 
And then so I, I, I put my head back up and she said, I never want to see you do that again. And I went into this thing when I was saying to her, but like, you're the goddess, you're the Isis. And she said, let me show you something. And so I followed her. Now, mind you, when I'm seeing all of this, I'm in my street clothes. I'm in the clothes that I was in when I started that meditation. She was in this beautiful, like white, like roby kind of gra- like gown thing, but like one of the most beautiful things I had ever seen. She had like her makeup done. It was, you know, her eyes were like that charcoal makeup that you typically see when you're like looking at like ancient Egyptian photos. But she was beautiful. I remember just being entranced by how beautiful she was. She would, but she said to me, follow me. So I'm following her and she walks me over to a mirror. She told me to look in this mirror. And when I'm looking into this mirror, I'm what I'm seeing is myself. And I'm seeing myself as myself, right? So like, I'm seeing myself as like my short statured self, like I'm actually someone I'm short, and I'm stout, like a teapot, right, a little round. And so that is how I saw myself. I saw myself in the mirror with my street clothes that I was actually wearing. And I saw the goddess Isis standing behind me and the beauty that she was right in her gown and everything in my clothes begin to transform and they started to do this weird transmutation thing when they turned from street clothes and then I was wearing exactly what she was wearing I ended up having the headdress that she had the headdresses that king that queens wear and then my makeup changed and it started to look like her and I asked her why was I in that and she said to me because you are me and I am you we are all one if I'm goddess you are goddess if you are goddess I am goddess you are a goddess And this is what you look like. And when I came out of that meditation, I immediately understand what she was saying. You know, as spiritual people, we can understand that we're all one, that everything is one, that it's all interconnected, that it's all intertwined. But for some reason, when it comes to accepting the fact that maybe you are a god or a goddess, that's where we draw the line. We go, oh, but that couldn't possibly be be me we we're all one up until we get to that point but what she explained to me was nope there is no point that we get to where we stop being one i am you you are me if i'm goddess isis you are goddess isis right if you are mystic rain i am mystic rain because we are all the same this is you and she said to me she explained that you can have an enormous amount of respect for people but don't bow she did not like people to bow to her and interesting enough I'm not entirely sure if this is in a book anywhere or if this is actually said throughout history, but I can tell you that Goddess Isis told me herself that she doesn't like it when people bow. She doesn't think that it's necessary for people to bow, particularly women. She does not like seeing disempowered women in or or disempowered feminines. That she doesn't, doesn't like. She doesn't like to see feminines bow to her. She doesn't like how that feels. She doesn't, she feels like it's kind of wrong because all feminines should be holding their heads high because we're all one. All feminists are goddesses why would a goddess battle a goddess a goddess however would heavily respect a goddess right because we're all one but why would a goddess battle a goddess and it was when that moment happened when I came out of that meditation that I learned to start accepting that I too was a goddess and even if I wasn't prepared to allow myself to really accept it yet if I accepted the notion that spiritual notion that I am one that we are all one then by extension I would also have to accept the fact that I am a goddess because we are all one if I can believe in gods and goddesses 
And I also believe that we are all one. The extension of that is I too am a, am a god or a goddess. And that is really uncomfortable for people to think about. It's really uncomfortable to say because there's a lot of things that come with that. If you accept that you are a goddess, you accept that you are powerful, you accept that you are, are intelligent, you accept that not only are you intelligent, you're more than a people intelligent. You are source intelligence, right? I'm going to say that again, right? If you are intelligent, but you're the, you're the goddess intelligence. If you can accept that you are a goddess because I am you and you are me and we are one, then what you are by extension allowing yourself to accept is that you are a source intelligence. And those are heavy things because we think, oh, well, we couldn't possibly. But when I started to allow myself to just be in that energy and days, there were days where it was hard, man. There were days where I felt like I was an imposter. What I realized, though, was life started to shift and life started to change. I, I started to walk different. I started to walk with my head held a different kind of way. When it was time for me to have important meetings or make important decisions, I would always make sure I was doing it with my, my head up. And I allowed myself to stop the process of cowering, right? Of cowering, of, of, of cowering um, to other people, right? As we go through this process of allowing ourselves to accept our power, allowing ourselves to harness that goddess, there's a few things that happen. One, our throat chakra has to open up because a lot of people that are struggling with that energy are also struggling with their throat chakra. The throat chakra is blocked, right? In my opinion, the throat chakra is an, is, is an incredibly um, efficient way to manifest. It's not the only way to manifest. But the reason why I think it's efficient is because all of us has heard speak it into existence, right? Or from your lips to God's ears, right? In society as a whole, we have this thing where we have all kind of accepted somehow that it's an efficient way of manifesting. But for whatever reason, we have never just said that using the voice is an efficient, efficient way of manifesting. But people who, who are struggling with that goddess complex do struggle with struggle with a blocked throat chakra. And you see it when it comes to standing up for yourself or just saying what it is when you, when you think in certain situations. Maybe someone comes to you and they go, hey, what do you think? You go, oh, no, it's fine. But maybe internally you don't think it's fine. But for whatever reason, expressing that is hard for you, right? using your voice. Another thing when you're allowing yourself to establish that goddess energy, accept that goddess energy into your life is you have to also realize that 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 comes with you no longer apologizing for being you. The majority of our apologies is us apologizing for being us. Sorry that I said that. And maybe you didn't say anything offensive, but maybe for whatever reason you think you've offended somebody. So sorry I said that. So sorry I did that, right? Um, maybe you have an opinion about something. Oh, I'm so sorry. Maybe you try to speak up to say anything, but then you're like, oh my God, did I cut that person off? What do you say? Oh my God, I'm so sorry. You apologize for every little thing. You apologize for being you. When it comes to being unapologetic um, for not... What, what did I say earlier? Don't forgive me as a goddess. In order to be in that don't forgive me energy, that means you have to stop apologizing. When you're apologizing, part of an apology sometimes comes with the asking for forgiveness. If I'm saying don't forgive me as a goddess, then that means I'm not asking for your forg forgiveness. If I'm not asking for your forgiveness, that means I'm not apologizing for shit. Okay? So part of that is you learning that you do not have to be apologetic. 
Matter of fact, be unapologetically you. And the people that have issues with that are people that are sorry for their own selves, sorry for their own existence, right? And the third part of this is allowing yourself to live purely in your excellence. Allow yourself to be great in whichever way that is. And some of you may hear that and go, but I don't know what I'm good at. It's not necessarily about being good at anything. Because truth be told, you're good at everything. And I'm going to tell you why, right? If I am you and you are me, that means that you have the, you have the abilities and the talents of everybody. Because we are all one. Not only that, we are all from source, which means you, because you are of source, that means you are source. That means you carry source energy. You carry source intelligence. Now, it's okay if you don't necessarily know how to use those things or manifest those things in this particular human life. That's That doesn't matter. That doesn't mean that you are not excellent in what you are because you, my dear, are source, right? So allow yourself to just be good. Just be great. Just be excellence. The amount of people who are routinely and commonly dumbing themselves down, humbling themselves, because that's a, that's a phrase that people like to use. Just be humble. Why? Why should you have to be humble, right? People are humble because it makes other people feel better. And we know this because it's taught to you when you're a kid, when you start learning about the concept of being humbled, right? You don't want to provoke jealousy. You don't want to provoke, provoke envy. You don't want to lose friends, right? For women, especially women, right? You don't want a man, right, to think that um, you're intimidating. And so what starts to happen? People go, humble yourself. But what humbling yourself really means is dimming yourself. It means making yourself small for another small person. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to apologize to you because you're small. You being small is your fault. That's your problem. That's not me. You should have worked on that because you didn't work on that. Now you want to blame me because you're small. That's not my fault. So one of those things you have to do is allow yourself to live in your excellence, to own your excellence and allow yourself to be great. Know that you don't have to do anything to be excellent. You simply are excellent. And when you allow yourself to believe and walk in the energy of just knowing that that is what you are, you start to attract excellence things to you, right? If you allow yourself to just know that you are a goddess, because I am you and you are me. And if you are someone that believes in gods and goddesses, and I'm going to think it's safe to assume that uh, that you are, because if you aren't, you, I don't think you would have stumbled ac- across this podcast, right? If you are, and I am you, and you are me, then that means you are also goddess, right? And so you rejecting the notion of goddess is you rejecting the notion of yourself. And when you allow yourself to accept that that's what you are, it's okay to accept it and not yet know what to do with it. It's okay to accept it and not yet know how to use the energy. Sometimes you just have to start with the fact that you are accepting what you are. When you are accepting what you are, when you allow yourself to accept that goddess, right? Your that throat chakra will start to open up. You'll start to speak up for yourself. You'll start to stand up for yourself. You allow yourself to stand your ground in work situations. You'll actually present things the way you want to present things and pitch things the way you want to present uh, pitch things. And because you're moving with that goddess energy, it may actually come with promotions or, or, or raises or, or more money somehow. You're going to allow yourself to walk in a space where you're not apologizing for anything. You're not apologizing for who you are, you know, 
Like, you don't have to apologize for who you are, what you are, what you did or what you said. Unless you know that you actually did hurt somebody. If you know you woke up this morning with good intentions and all you wanted was a good impact for self, that's all that matters. You don't have to go and apologize for you. And you allow yourself to live in your excellence. You are excellence because you are of source. Because you are of source, you are a piece of source. Because you are a piece of source, you are source incarnate walking upon this earth. You have source intelligence. You are excellence is what you are. And allow yourself to live in that excellence. Allow yourself to live unapology, unapologetically in that excellence. And when you meet someone that wants you to bow to them, or you meet someone that wants you to humble yourself, when you meet someone that wants you to be a smaller version of yourself to accommodate their small version of their self, you will stand up straight, you will hold that chin up, and you will look that person in the eye, and you will say to that person, don't forgive me as a goddess. Why? Because I'm not apologizing for it anymore.